welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 60. I am Zach Faulkner-Barfield, 1PG, and alongside me is the gloriously dapper, the decisively charming, and the wonderful Mr James Marwood. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you, Zach. I'm uh, in very good spirits today. It's been a good week. Oh, totally good. Chipper and tip-top. Chipper and tip-top, indeed, yes. I always think we should bring back some nice language like that. Very briefly, I spoke to someone the other day, and I went, oh, gosh. And they just went... I'm sorry. <laughs> I quite like gosh as an expression. And I quite often tell people to have a tip-top weekend. Are you feeling chipper today? I am feeling chipper. Well, I'm a, I'm a little tired and a little sore because I've been training a lot. But it's going well, so I'm feeling chipper but relaxed. OK, we'll, we'll get a, a straight-from-the-training-camp update later. Yes. What's been on your, your mind this week, James? You'll recall Ronnie Miller, who sent us some excellent questions a little while ago. Gentleman from Facebook, thank you very much, Ronnie. And he sent us a simple formula for living that I quite like. Yeah, it's very lovely. I think maybe we should post it on, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram for people. I think so, and a lot of it is simple rules, simple aphorisms, I guess, but things that I really take to heart and I think are really important. So... Living below your means, not blaming other people, admit it when you make mistakes, drive for excellence, not perfection, all that kind of thing. I really like it. Be humble. And I think along with that, I'd also put being grateful. Absolutely. Taking time just to recognise the things that you have to be grateful for. You don't have to make a big song and dance about it, but it helps with general mental health and well-being. Absolutely. And I love the last two lines. I don't say it in this phrase, but I say this all the time. Don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. Yes. You know, one of the best things you can do for yourself quite often is get off your back and stop giving yourself a hard time about things. It's a truism in a lot of fields that your ability to deliver or your ability to execute is directly related to your ability to relax. And if you can relax, you'll perform much better. It's my favourite thing is when I watch some people go, oh, gosh, I didn't get all this done. And I'm guilty of it, too. I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of it. I didn't get all this done. Unlike Richard Branson, he gets all this stuff done in a day. And then I mentioned the fact that he has two personal assistants and a team of about 30 people who do his beck and call. Yes, he gets a lot done because he can afford to hire people to get everything that he doesn't want to do himself done. Absolutely. It's important to take time. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier about the importance of the seventh habit, sharpening the saw. Sharpening the saw, yeah. If you take that time to stop and think about what it is you're actually wanting to do and why you're doing it and the best way to do it, you'll generally do much better than if you just try and push through. I totally agree with that. Well, thank you, Ronnie. We post your simple formula for living on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, by the way, if you want to follow us, please feel free to do so on all our social media channels. We do appreciate you following us and uh, we will post more and more, especially on the Instagram and Facebook over the next few ensuing months. So what else have you been reading, Zach? A delicate topic. Oh, my word. It appeared in Metro newspaper in the UK, which is a sort of daily newspaper in the UK, about manscaping. Oh. For those who are unfamiliar, basically manscaping is the trimming or shaping of <clears throat> gentlemen's hair in the private area. Yes. We're discussing topics south of the border. Here. South of the border, down Mexico way. Yes, <laughs> indeed. It's saying that the survey said that eight out of ten men admit manscaping and they do this on a regular basis. In fact, what was really interesting about the statistics, men spend on average about 60 minutes a day grooming now, which is a bit less than women. That's interesting. And it also claims that 70% of men under 35, so that's not us, James, I'm, I'm sorry to say. That's gone now. Take at least two naked selfies a week. Oh. And I'm quite surprised about this. So we have manscaping to talk about, which is probably a, 
a delicate subject for most gentlemen, and the amount of time you groom. Now, I have to say, I never take a naked selfie. That's uh, not one of my uh, things. A few selfies with the suit on, of course. The thing that always worries me about naked selfies and that type of texting in, in general once you've sent it it's out of your control exactly once you've stored it in the cloud it's out of your control the risk to reward is really low now everyone shares that view i understand it's certainly something to bear in mind and the number of horror stories i've heard of things being sent either to the wrong person or being shared on or being stolen from somebody's device and things like that it's just the level of risk is too high for me i totally concur and it's not something a gentleman should do either way and not to request them either no absolutely moving swiftly on from that what's your sort of length of grooming routine on average day if i'm going to the office on a regular work day it's probably a little under half an hour that's shower shave doing my hair cleaning my teeth getting dressed i do tend to leave my clothes out the night before as i take my clothes off when i get in from work i'll put out the shirt and tie i'm going to wear the next day and decide which suit I'm, I'm going to wear. If it's a big day, I'll take longer and I might do a, a more in-depth shave and I might just generally spend a bit more time on it. But generally about half an hour, I would say. How about yourself, sir? To do the sort of ablutions alone, probably anything between 20 to 30 minutes and then the dressing's probably a, a further 10 to 15 minutes. I tend to shave every day, apart from weekends if I'm not seeing anyone. Same here. I tend to have a relatively set routine and usually, like yourself, I've chosen what it is I'm wearing the night before. You know, sometimes I'll change it in the morning if the weather's not played ball. In that article, it also talks about 20% of men have used a specialist beard barber and half of young men have had a, a beauty treatment. Teeth whitening being the most popular. Um, interesting, the beard thing, I was reading somewhere else and I can't remember where it is, so I'll have to look it up. That actually, beards are now fading out of fashion. So beards are becoming less hip. The clean-shaven look is coming back. I did have a bit of a beard as a younger man, but it wasn't a great look, if I'm honest. Me too. I did grow a moustache for Movember. My resemblance to my father and Thomas Magnum P.I., prompted me to shave it quite quickly at the end of November. I don't know about anyone else, but it wasn't particularly on my favourite lists. I kept my moustache going after November a little while ago because uh, the, the Duchess was away. When I went to pick her up from the airport with her curled and waxed moustache that I was quite proud of, the first thing she said is, well, that'll have to go when we get home. <laughs> Fair enough. In the contest between moustaches and kisses, I'll take kisses. It's interesting, actually, the fact that men are seeming to take more care, which is a good thing. It does have costs. Obviously, it costs money. But in general, I think that's good. What I'd hate to get into is the fact where guys feel that they have to do that in order to feel presentable, as unfortunately a lot of ladies do. You don't need to have perfectly sculpted eyebrows and falsely white teeth and be plucked and tweezed to look good. Having a decent haircut, a good shave and being clean and presentable is quite fine. I think we are getting that very Instagrammy photo generation, which we're driving men towards that. My, my only concern, hopefully you've come to the perfect gentleman, and if you're listening to this, you probably are already well-versed in these matters. But my thing is, I, I don't think guys know where to go for information. There is a point on that, yeah. And there's lots of conflicting information out there. Mm. You and I both see a lot of stuff where you kind of go, oh dear, no, unwonder. Uh, mm, I think it's interesting. I recall at school when I was, I'd have been about... 14 there was a trend i don't know if it's still a thing with a lot of the girls at school who were starting to wear makeup and were doing it pretty badly overdoing it and not doing a really good job and so one of my teachers arranged a half day where we had 
hairdressers, beauticians, people like that come into school and teach the girls how to do their makeup. And there's a skill like anything else. You take time to learn as you do with clothes, as you do with your hair, what works for you, what you like, what you want to stick with. And you can continue to experiment with it through your life. That's all part of the fun. Getting good advice and then going with style over fashion is as true for grooming as it is for clothes. Nowadays, there's so many video tutorials and other tutorials online for ladies and hardly anything for men. There's a few good video bloggers, men's style being one. The lovely Alpha M, which is uh, Alpha M, I've forgotten the gentleman's name, but he's he's lovely. I do like him very much. Uh, he's kind of American and fun. And Real Men, Real Style. He's a great gentleman's blogger. Different styles. One's a little bit more um, formal and the other one's a little bit more fun and frolicky, but they both give really good, solid advice. And they're probably the two best, I think, out there of the men's video bloggers. Apart from them, there's not a huge amount for guys. There was something else you, we talked about, James. What else has been on your radar? There was this article that was quite interesting about John Lewis and its gender-neutral clothing. Excellent. This was primarily aimed at children, I believe. The idea is that their own brand children's clothes will no longer be divided by gender, which some people see as a bit radical. So they won't have separate sections in the stores and the clothes will read boys and girls or girls and boys, which I think is interesting. I do have a few trans friends. It's important to recognise that for those people, you know, they aren't gender neutral. They aren't gender fluid. They aren't androgynous. They aren't doing that sort of 80s fashion thing of could be either way. For example, the friend I was discussing this with, She's a woman. She dresses as a woman. She presents as a woman. So she wears women's clothes. That's the way she's... So um, there's a little bit of scepticism maybe to it. But I think there's some really interesting points to this. For example, Catherine Hammett, the designer, done sort of non-gender specific clothing for a long time. And I think there are some things like shirts, sweatshirts, things like that, that could be either way. They could work equally when for men or women. And I think traditionally there's been this thing of women appropriating men's dress to appropriate power or status. During the 40s and 50s, you had women wearing men's cut suits and things like that. Personally, I think they look fantastic. There's nothing to stop it going the other way. As long as we stick to those basic style rules or break them when we know what they are and we're comfortable with it, there's a bit to be said for that. I'm not a fan of guys in traditionally female cut jeans, because I think that looks terrible, but that's not because they're female cut jeans. It's just because they look terrible. What do you think about this, Zach? I'm all for even-handedness and fairness across genders. You know, some clothes can be gender neutral. Certain shirts, certain cuts of sweatshirts. But you sort of start to go into certain clothing where we come back to the basic rules of style, fit and form, and guys and girls' fits generally are quite different. We have generally different body shapes and not everyone wants the same and so on and so forth. But guys have a certain body shape over women most of the time. And I was reading an article by a lady the other day about the different sizing of stuff. Uh, you know, a size six from one brand and a size 14 in another brand. You get this with trousers, for example. I know what my waist is because my tailor measures it. That's not the size of trousers I buy because, you know, when my tailor makes to it, and I'll, I'll cop to it now, I have, well, probably less now, but last time I had a suit measured, I had, I had a 41-inch waist. I buy 38s because vanity sizing. Um, and that happens across men's and women's clothing. And it's a bit irritating, especially when it comes to as more retailers are sort of online only. The point about body shape is well made. If you look at the way that, if you like, the idealised male physique, which I don't have. Neither do I. <laughs> tends to be broad shoulders, narrow waist. You know, the idealised female shape changes over time and because ladies' fashions moves 
much more quickly. But it's not that. You know, that broad shoulder, narrow waist thing isn't really so prevalent. So clothing that would work for women doesn't look and, and work quite the same for men. There are items that do, obviously, and there is a spectrum with lots of different overlaps. What's interesting to this and what I really like about it is that it talks to more thinking about actually what do clothes mean? How do people dress and do we dress well? And that clothing isn't just about fashion. It is style, but it also speaks about how you present yourself to the world. If retailers are starting to get on board with that, so much the better. I'm a big fan of not pink for girls and blue for boys. I, I, I think that's a ridiculous distinction. I always have thought that's a ridiculous distinction. The specific types of colour of clothing for particular sexes is, is silly. If you like pink, I like pink. I love to wear pink. I like blue and I want to wear blue. I, as you know, I wear multiple colours. I know the colours that don't suit me and I don't wear them. It's got nothing to do with my gender or, or decision-making on that person. I have basically four main colours of shirts that I wear. I have white, cream, pink and blue. And occasionally I'll vary from those, but you know, if you look at my wardrobe, probably 80% of my shirts fall into that category. There's no reason not to wear those based on some odd notion about what it says about your gender. Unlike colour, cut does do that just because of what a good, well-fitting item of clothing enhances your body. It's interesting. There are some sceptical bits to it. You've got high-end designers doing it now, so Catherine Hammett or Rick Owens, and then you've got John Lewis and then, predictably, H&M and Zara following suit. If it gets people thinking more about the clothes they wear and what they want to buy, and it gives people more choice of what they want to buy, then that's great. Absolutely. No, I agree with that, sir. Jolly good. So, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, sir? One final thing before we get our uh, now weekly training camp update from Marwood Camp. One thing sprung to mind, in the UK, we uh, started the 2017 series of Strictly Come Dancing, which is known around the world so frequently as uh, Dancing with the Stars in other countries. The original, of course, being Strictly Come Dancing. But what's really interesting, and I'm a big fan, so the secret's out, I have been a big fan for many years, but I love the dance, and I have a lot of friends who are professional dancers. But what was the interesting thing for me, and it sort of reminded me of this thought process, was that one of the seven agilités to become a knight in the medieval period was the ability to dance. You had to master the ability to dance. You not only had to master the ability to fight with a sword and chop people's heads off and joust and all the rider horse and all that sort of stuff, all sort of the martial military stuff that became a knight, you had to be able to dance. And I think men, and men are very guilty of this, do not know how to dance. And women, I think, would agree that men should learn how to dance. I think so. I mean, I'm not a great dancer, but I enjoy it. I've taken dance classes i've taken lessons which are fantastic fun and actually if you're a single man looking for a good place to meet ladies and socialize with them a dance class is a fantastic place to do it because you get to spend time one-to-one -one with lots of ladies and have fun at the same time yes exactly well in fact for anyone who wants to meet new people it's, it's one of the great things to do if you move to a new city and don't know anyone go and take a dance class or two there is a, an old quote about never give a sword to a man who can't dance oh i like that quote who said that well i looked it up and, it, and apparently confucius but i'm not sure that's the case i think that might be misattributed but generally i've heard it in in relation to historical european martial arts that the ability to move and move your feet quickly, move your body neatly, to have control of your body as you move is essential to, to dance as it is to any martial art. I think it's important not just for the social aspects and the fun aspects and the fact that if you can dance, 
you'll have a lot more opportunities to enjoy parties and things and, and nights out than otherwise and sort of standing at the side and nursing a beer while everyone else dances. But also it's really good exercise and a really good way to learn to control your body. Absolutely. I mean, if you do want to ever pick up a sword and join James or myself in a bout of martial arts, a good way to start is the learning to tango and two-step and jive and salsa. I really enjoy swing dancing. I'm terrible at it, but it's so much fun. And thankfully, because it's such a... A chaotic dance. You can get it wrong as long as you, you do it with a plum, you're okay. Quoting another quote, the Al Pacino lovely movie where he says, uh, the beauty about tango is if you get stuck, you just tango on. Yes, fantastic. That could go on to Ronnie's list of rules for life, actually. I think that's true. So, James, that time of the week again. We need a little drum roll here. <laughs> it's training camp update. So, live from Durham, James, the training camp update. What's your update this week? It's going very well. I've upped the training now to eight sessions a week. This coming week, there'll be a few more because I'm not working this week. I'm between contracts. It's going okay. I'm surviving. I can feel my fitness improving quite a bit. I can feel my technique improving, especially on the ground. But I'm still drowning when I'm on the ground against somebody who knows what they're doing. But I feel like I understand a little bit more why I'm drowning, which is a start. I'm sort of moving to conscious incompetence if you like, in that skills model. Generally speaking, it's going really well. The donations have been great. People have been very generous, which is fantastic. Although there's still time to do more. But it looks like if the next remaining seven weeks continue like this one, I think I'll be in pretty good shape. And if anyone wants to know more, well, what do they find out about your lovely up-and-coming MMA bout? You can do a search for Ultra White Collar MMA in Durham and you'll find information online. They do run events all over the country, both in MMA and boxing. If you're interested in doing it yourself, you can find it there. For sponsoring, if you search on Just Giving for James Marwood, you'll find me there. If you're interested in sort of seeing um, a few more updates about the training, then follow me on, on social media. I'm james.marwood on, on Facebook, Marwood Chap on, on Twitter. Always happy to connect with people. And you will see a lot of photos of me looking sweaty and tired and a bit banged up, but smiling. <laughs> Excellent. You were talking about the camaraderie. That is a good point. You do any sort of activity with people, you make friends and you build relationships with people. But there's something about going through shared adversity together, whether that's gruelling workouts or trying really hard to punch each other in the face or choke each other unconscious, that gives you a real sense of camaraderie that I've not really experienced elsewhere. I imagine guys who've served in uniformed services together or things like that would talk about something similar probably even more so but for me there's nothing quite like the friends that you make on the mat and it's been really interesting how this group of guys and ladies who've come together to do this event and there's just over 40 of us from wildly different backgrounds so there's guys like me who are in professional jobs in our 40s who sit down for a living and you've got guys who are students you know just turned 18 you've got young men in their 20s who are in manual jobs a couple of guys there who don't work a couple of guys who are older than me you've got different health problems you've got vastly different fitness levels experience levels but we're all rubbing along really well and just down to little simple things like i can't get to training tonight can someone give me a lift and absolutely somebody can or you know i don't have this bit of equipment does someone have something i can borrow or can you help me out with this thing it's great and it's not just that politeness of a newly formed group this is a group that's really performing together and I think starting to become a bit of a club, which is lovely. That's well, good to hear. It's important for everyone to have friends and to have people they spend time with. But being able to 
do it through something like this is great. I would recommend it to anybody else. Excellent. Thank you very much for your training update, James. We look forward to uh, having next week's training update and seeing where you're going and progressing. I shall be coming to the event definitely and uh, I shall be ringside. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, I'm looking forward to it, sir. Well, that's all for this week, but we'd love to hear from you. If you have questions like Ronnie or you want to make comments or concerns, you want to talk to us about anything or discuss anything that we've talked about on the Perfect Gentleman podcast, feel free. Drop us an email at enquire at theperfectgentleman.tv or you can send us a message on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. We'll respond to everything. We are working on sorting out a couple more of our guest speakers back in over the next few weeks as well. Brian and Leah are keen to come back on, so we're trying to get them to come back on and, and speak to us for a bit. So we'll try and do some more product reviews and stuff like that as we move forward. And we're, we're always happy to hear from you, so please do feel free to drop us a line. Splendid. James, as always, a great pleasure, sir. And you, my friend, have a splendid week, and I shall speak to you soon. Golly gosh, tip top, then see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by The Perfect Gentleman Group Limited and was edited by Andy Nichol at the Pistachio Palace.